You will sleep better than you have ever slept. You've never been this relaxed. Are you ready to change your life? I'm Rusty Diamond, certified hypnotist. You don't need to leave your house. You can stay in your bed. You can stay in your favorite chair. You just need a computer or your phone. You can get a hold of me. Stay at home. I'll make your life better. Hypnosisisgrade.com It's Rusty Diamond, motherfucker. It's Rusty Diamond, motherfucker. Yo, man, boom, it's Rusty. What's up, everyone? It is Thursday here in Pennsylvania. Uh, it's the Public Access Podcast. Welcome to it. Welcome to the podcast. Now Pennsylvania's the podcast, PA. And if you are here, thank you. Uh, if you're watching this and you think, uh-oh, I don't like what this guy looks like, but I like the content. You can just go anywhere you listen to podcasts, unless you have some obscure obscure one there, uh, and maybe you won't find it on there. But if you're listening to this and you want to watch it because you want to see what everyone looks like, go on YouTube. That easy. So it is time for me to bring out my special guest, and I have my special guest right here right now and my special guests right here and right now are we have the turners uh we have hello uh andy kelly austin and lexi so thank you uh for being here i think this is the there might be the most people on one that i've had um so it works out i but i've also had some of my first episodes where I think there was more people, but it was me uh, putting an iPhone in the middle of a room and just kind of recording like that. So um, it all it all goes around and through. But so Andy was back. I don't know. How, I should have just looked when that was, how long ago that was that he was about on here. About two months ago. Okay, about two months ago. Um, so that's probably like, 50 episodes back or something somewhere around there so i'll post a link to that one too for anyone who wants to go back and listen um or you can just look up uh andy turner on here and so yeah we talked afterwards and uh said that uh, you know why not bring why not bring the family back here and uh, get everyone else together and so um so is the family, are you, you all out with Andy uh, when he goes out and is on tour? Or is it sometimes, or is it, uh, how does that work? 
As much as we can, we like going out and uh, talking to people with them. Uh, but our, our schedules are different sometimes, but for the most part, we're with them. Okay. Um, so let's see. So like what, what kind of, they're like mostly speaking events. And so do people, do you come on at the end and then uh, something like that? Or does it, do you all kind of, go up there at once and just chime in whenever or how does that work i think it's situational it depends on uh, what we're there talking about if it's suicide prevention or it's um uh whatever we're trying to help however we fit uh whatever the people need okay um and so like i mean what because i mean yeah you get kind of both sides but you got you get people that you know are you know, very much uh, in favor of everything. And then you have people that are kind of the opposite. And so I assume it's probably better to be, you know, at these events where you have more of a controlled environment. But does, I mean, does it, I don't know, does it, does it matter more anymore? Yeah, I, I understand what, what you're getting at. We got... <laughs> We've not really had a, an, an issue where we've needed security. Um, the, the the people that make noise is really not as big as they sound on social media. There's only about 10 of them. Uh, but you you know what it's like when you go make a post on social media, you get a, you know, a thousand people that'll chime in and that like they're experts. And then, then they're gone. You never hear or see from them again. So yeah. it's really only about 10 people. That's caused us all, all of the problems and heartache through uh, through through the last uh, seven years. And so, I mean, they're still kind of around. Then, are they? I mean, are they just? They what, are, what's uh, in it for them? What's in it for them? I guess internet fame with their eight friends. Yeah, ha- hatred. You know, when uh, when people have guile in their heart, uh, hatred. Uh, but uh, for us now, our platform is so much bigger than them. We've we've gone up and above them that uh, they they don't hurt us anymore. Uh, with the with the book out and with the with the movie about to be filmed and uh, the tour, uh, we rarely even hear from them. You know, we're used to. I mean, it hurt. You know, it, it cost me jobs, and and every day I was hearing. Oh, did, did you hear what they posted? Did you hear what was going on? And uh, and it affected our lives. But now we don't even we don't even know they exist hardly anymore. And uh, unless we on purpose go and uh, and look for something. So was that a thing for a, a while? Sort of that in between phase of people. A lot of people are uh, messaging you all the time, saying, "Hey, look at all this stuff that's being said." And, and then to a point where it's just like. Uh, I'll check on them all, like because I know these ten people are going to be saying shit. What are they? What are they saying today? And then it got to the point where it. it got old because they're just repetitive. They say the same outlandish things in different formats to different people. They have a platform within themselves. So once you've read it ten, fifteen times, why well, read it another ten, fifteen more? Uh, they're just going to continue because internally they feed themselves with whatever negativity that they want to hear and it makes them feel big so once we got to that point 
it became pointless to look at them and read them and listen to what they had to say because they say the same things and we had the same response. They know nothing about what they speak of. So um, they become experts in their own right because they want to become experts, not because they know the truth. Right. And uh, so, I mean, we're... Uh, so, like, I mean, uh, Kelly, with you, we're, we're a lot of people, I mean, kind of out to get you with you um being in the picture was that was that something that kind of happened or did that sort of die off or like what i mean because yeah i mean i assume that's probably a role that's been you know paved with a few difficulties um along the way from the beginning they came at me like a firing squad Within Andy and I posted a photo of us together on social media. Within an hour, I had over a hundred messages from people I had never known. My within a few days, my address was posted online, my car, my job, my phone number, my license plate. Um, they were telling me that I was gonna be next, that he's gonna isolate me from everyone, that they called my job trying to get me fired. It was relentless. I had people come up to me in the grocery store that I had never known. Um, it got so bad that I had to, I got a dog. I installed security cameras, um, an alarm system. I got lighting all over my house and I wouldn't go anywhere by myself. So it was, I couldn't understand why they hated me so bad. And they were telling me how horrible of a man and a father that Andy was. But here I am living it and experiencing it. And of course, in the beginning, you know, I love him, so I'm going to defend him. And it just added fuel to the fire. I was brainwashed and he was keeping me against my will, wouldn't let me leave the house, like all these outlandish things. And like Austin said, once you read it 10 or 15 times, it just got so redundant. But they would, I would block them. They would create new profiles and come at me again. They would call me text me, leave me voicemails. I mean, I was waiting on, I had a letter delivered to my mailbox once and one was on my windshield of my car in the middle of a parking lot. So, I mean, it, it became very scary, very fast. And so, I mean, I guess, yeah, it just turns into they're eventually going to run out of steam if you're not feeding back into the fire. Is that the that's what I thought. If you ignore bad behavior, they'll get bored. But then they started slashing my tires. Um, so I had Vaseline smeared all over my car. Because I had ignored them, they upped the ante. Like, oh, you're not going to react to this? Well, we're going to take it up to the next level. Um, and so there there was a long time where I was terrified. And I, all I'm trying to do is love these kids and we're trying to build a family together and they're acting like I'm the one that's committed all of these wrong doings just by loving someone like now I'm a bad person yeah and so I mean like what what happens like when I mean it's getting I so I mean this is it's a little different with this episode than other episodes because now it's like I've I've talked with Andy, so then I've like, you know, seen uh, some of the stuff, you know, online and what what 
whatnot. And uh, I mean, now, like, what happens when stuff gets brought back up with like the news and news going back to want to investigate again and stuff like that? Where where does that put everyone? I it's all it's all the same. It's the same story, just reworded. It's nothing that we haven't heard before. It's not factual. It's all hearsay. It's people claiming that they know one of us in the family. Either one, we don't know them at all. Two, we may have passed them once at Target, but all of a sudden they know our whole life story. No one knows the truth. They weren't there. Yet they will put it online as it's factual, like it's been written down by the Lord himself in stone. And it's just not true. So when we see something come up, we brace ourselves because we already know what they're going to say. There's nothing new to say. Yeah, so that, those are the people that was calling the news outlets. And they're, they're the ones that was giving the reports. And then, uh, of course, you, you, you know, a journalist with nothing to do or, uh, or a new journalist, uh, well, they, they, they uh, attach to sensationalism. So they, they would pick up a story. And then, then run with it. Well, that that hurt us because it made it uh, sound like it had validity. Because now it it, it had a, a national media, so that uh, that that kind of gave fuel to those people, and so they started calling uh, Nancy Grace. They started calling like all these media outlets, trying to get more people to pick it up. And then that that was their attack for such a long time. But nobody ever stepped back and. And look, that nobody, nobody's ever named. There was never any, anybody pointed for for anything criminal. And also, you got an eyewitness sitting right here. You know, there's a statement. She she knows exactly what happened. It's not just me. Don't take my word on it. Look at the other people that are there. But uh, the the people behind the keyboard, they uh, they don't stop and think that uh, if the police had something and the GBI and the FBI and all the people that's touched this, if 1% of any of that was true, then I'd have been gone a long time ago. But there's no basis to it. I even had a, a total smartass to write me, um, golly, just, just a few weeks ago, he's like, well, I went back to your old house and I luminoled it and you're gone. And I'm like, dude, that thing was luminoled about three weeks after they served a war. And then I had to pay to clean it all up because that stuff's toxic. Did you not even read? I mean, have fun. But there's other people that's also lived there now. So, uh, you know, you don't even have what was uh, there at the time, you dummy. Uh, but you know, that, that, that's how people are. I mean, there's this, this complete and total idiots out there. And so, uh, Lexi, what kind of happened with you? Where where that put you in this? Because um, I mean, you were younger when everything happened. Um, when, when it all happened, I was around seven, and I was going like my elementary school. I was out of it for a while, but when I went back, I had I couldn't get through class without GBI and like child protective services pulling me out of class with detectives and sheriffs and they were asking me questions and trying to put words in my mouth and they were asking me crazy like crazy things and it was like every single day since I got back and it was like every two hours I was being pulled out of class and 
having my father accused of things that he didn't do. So I moved schools. I went to a Christian school where things there have been better. Um, I, I went to a high school not too long ago and I was on a volleyball team and there was a lot of prejudice, like people there that I went from playing every game, starting, starting every game to being put on the bench and not being allowed to play at all. Um, because there was one person there that had went on the websites and read everything and was talking to somebody else about dad. So I started like, they didn't let me do anything. And they started yelling at me and just, they, they were being mean for no reason. Cause they had, they didn't have any facts. They don't know anything. They didn't ask me anything. So it's just been stuff like that. We've had people from out of the state calling defects, trying to get me taken away. People that we don't even know. People from all over the world. How many defects calls were there? In one day, there were over 200. And they had a script. They all read the same script. And uh, to elaborate on what she said, because I know when she spoke that you don't have the, the backstory. When the detectives and, and defects would pull her out of class and to as she stated, put words in her mouth, they would say, we know your dad's abusing you. We know he's not feeding you. We know he's molesting you. Uh, we, we, we know that he killed your mom. We just need you to say that. They were doing this without any adult present or without any, me, uh, lawyer or anything. Correct. And they, they were trying to prod her just to say something. She's like, my dad didn't do any of those things. So I pick her up from school. She gets in the car. She said, the, the police pulled me out. She said them things. I brought back in and went straight to the principal. And the principal was Heather's cousin. So this was fed and, and, and had a reason. So I pulled her out of that school immediately. Oh, and what, what about you, Austin? What, what about, were you, what was going on with you? When really, uh, for the most part, it was people trying to interact in public. Uh, when I'd be with my dad, we couldn't even enjoy a meal out to eat because people would come up and, and say, you know, you're the guy who killed his wife. Uh, you're a guy who killed these kids' mother. You're the guy who did all these things. Um, we, we didn't know these people and it, it was that way in public wherever we went for months. We still get looks today. Um, but it, it was stuff like that. We couldn't even go out and enjoy freedom and, and try to have peace because the same people would come up and the same people's group would come up and say these crazy things. Uh, I mean, was there any time with any of you that ever thought, you know, that, fighting back or yelling stuff would do anything or get into that like where you're like it's, it's very hard to keep composure with blatant ignorance all the time sure uh, we can't we i'll tell you a story sure. we we were out trying to see christmas lights around the neighborhood a lot of uh people in our neighborhood decorate their their houses for holidays so it's a golf cart community we're riding around the golf cart seeing these lights 
and a bunch of drunk people decided to come out and comment on the golf cart at first. Then they realized who we were and said that, oh, that's the guy that killed his wife. This wasn't my greatest moment, but I decided that I was tired of hearing these people say these things. So I wheeled out of the golf cart and I was real close to fighting in the cul-de-sac. But once you do that, it makes them right. So I decided that it was better for me to be a bigger person and knock out and not knock out this big bald guy in the street <laughs> um, against my better judgment at the time. I thought you were going to. I really wanted to. When I got out of the cart, there were 17 people that, that was emerging on my son. And I was thinking, well, this is going to be 17 against two, but uh, we're going to put up our best effort here. Uh, the, the one in front of Austin was so drunk. If Austin would have hit him, he would have destroyed the guy. Uh, and, and then when that, you know, once, once the ambulance is called and the police is there, the only thing that would have been told is that we attacked them, that we're the bad guys, not that they initiated it, not, not that it was 17 on two. Well, it would have just been that, that we done that. So, uh, and we, I'm glad Austin showed restraint, but I'm surprised that he did at that moment because it was so heated. The corruption of the local government would not have been great for us. We would have both went to jail for a long time. And so then you moved at you. Uh, did you both transfer schools, but then you stayed in the same area? I was close to graduating. Um, so I just finished it out and decided to let people talk and continue school. But he did have trouble at school as well. I mean, he, he wound up getting in some fights at school. Uh, I mean, I was up there with the principal. It was uh, it was difficult for him at the, at the end. And then so uh, so I mean, so what happened then after you both was it we both got out of school and then both started then uh going around with your dad and then uh, we've always been a tight uh, tight knit family so when we found out the the news of what had happened people had already started rumors the same day so it started from day 1 and for a long time we were really hermits in our own house we didn't want to go anywhere we didn't want to interact with people because it's easy to get angry at people who say crazy things. So for a long time, we stayed in the house. We stayed away from knocks on the door. We stayed away from rings on the doorbell. Uh, but after the fact, when we tried to finally go out, you know, they, they just persisted. So it was basically just learning how to let them talk because they don't know what happened. They have no experience. And continue to live life because ignorance is bliss for those people. Rusty, I'll share this with you too. We come from a small town that uh, if you have a fair and somebody is the corn queen, that they're they're celebrity in, in in these small towns. So if you have any type of success and you made any money uh, or, or or you've done anything that is larger than that you were put on a pedestal in these small towns. Uh, well, our family's always kind of been there from having success in the past. So that made us a target for this as well. Uh, like Corn Queen? 
corn king. <laughs> yeah, I, he was the corn queen. <laughs> yeah, I, I wasn't the corn queen. I didn't have to look for that. I got the face for radio. Uh, okay. We've got the crown upstairs. It's fine. But we've been successful, you know, from business in the past before the, you know, the marriage wretched and then, you know, been in the entertainment industry, you know, starting the film studio. And uh, so, with that alone, that, that kind of had us at a, in an elevated status in a very small town. So you started the film studio how long ago? Oh, that was just, I'd have to go back and look. Yeah. That, that, yeah, that's been some time back. Because that has been on seven years. That was probably 12, 15 years ago. Yeah, I was working on it as a, a wee lad. So it's been a while. I had all the kids out there when they were very small doing uh, lawn maintenance and you know running cables. So uh, shoot, that's been a while. So what were those kinds of uh productions? Like what were you what were you making then? Like 12, 15 years ago? Uh well we we've done a lot of big productions. Uh 42, the Jackie Robinson story was shot at our studio, uh Hunger Games was there. Um, the you know, vacation we, movie, yeah, the, the new vacation movie went through. Um, some of the Walking Dead was filmed there. Um, so there's there's a lot that that came through, uh, uh, as well as big commercials. Uh, we had uh, you know Papa John's account and the Rooms to Go accounts. So the the studios was used regularly, and uh, you know what, it was my job to keep it busy and to manage the entire facility once I started it. So um, it's like a, a sound set. Yeah, it's a whole sound stage. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so you're in Georgia, right? Yes, sir. Near near Atlanta then or something. Very close. Okay. All right. Um so what what got you to start doing that? How did that come about? because uh, I mean it was 12, 15 years ago, it was pr- starting to be a bit of an emerging market. I assume once walking yeah, down been... when it started to get Bigger. I've been exposed to entertainment pretty much my whole life. Um, I had a friend named Benji Woolhoyt that was a neighbor of our family when I was a small kid. Benji Woolhoyt sang in a movie called Six Pack with Kenny Rogers. And uh, so I was on set with that, and I got to meet Michael Anthony Hall uh, and was around a lot of different young kid stars. And from that, I developed friendships. And then I got to know... Uh, Scotty Schwartz, who was in the Christmas story, he's the one that put his tongue to the pole. Well, I became very close friends with all the Christmas story cast. And then from that, I just started developing relationships from going to events, being at their houses. And then I was investing in in productions. You know, people would have something to come up because I had these businesses that were successful. And, uh, and I really liked the entertainment industry. Uh, so I would invest in some things and uh, and, and kind of started a little smaller um, entertainment company where I would I would bring the celebrities to town where you could meet them. Uh, I do a lot of charity events. I've done a whole lot here at Paulding for free uh, and, and let people meet charities. I mean, I, I, we've probably done 20 or 30. And from that, it just kind of grew and uh, until uh, I, I got to where I am now. So did that when people started coming at you? Did that hurt that uh, as well? Did people start? Oh, absolutely. Uh, 
Yeah, it was I mean, like we had leprosy. What's yeah? Yeah, you, know, you you go down the road or you try to do business and you're like unclean. You know, you stay away because the fear of the unknown. You know, um, you know that they didn't want to be associated with something that that may come back and bite them later. You know that, so that's what it was. And I'm like, man, look, we've been friends for years. You should know better. And their response was, look, man, don't don't take offense, but. You know, all of this is just kind of scary and it's big. And and I had to get to where it. I didn't get offended by it because if I was in their shoes, I would probably react the same way. And so what was it when, I mean, like, do you remember people when they either, like, came around and were like, oh, okay, hey, now we're we're good. Uh or you know, were there ones that just kind of stuck by you always? It's kind of for everyone, I guess. There was a few that stuck by. Um most of them stuck by at a distance. Um, you know, if they were seen out with me, then uh, they would they would get attacked. Uh but you know that they'd be supported from a distance and text and phone call. Uh, and then there's been some that uh, has called and started apologizing. Hey, man, look, we're sorry. You know, when, when they hear Lexi speak, when they hear what she's got to say, they're like, you know what? We're we're sorry. You know, I owe you an apology. And I'll be like, you know what? You do. Not just me, you our whole family an apology. Um, but I accept it. I, 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 I appreciate the sentiment. Um you know, what's uh, you know, water under the bridge now. We can't go back and repair the damage that's done. <clears throat> so i mean is that damage done i mean is there like uh if they come up to you then later on is it just like a formality a hello um but no thank you or is it yeah you know when, when somebody shows their true colors you believe who they are you know it doesn't matter what their words say their actions show who they truly are uh so it, it'll be extremely difficult for our family to ever allow people in and have that closeness or that bond with them again once they put a knife in the rat. What what about what about you three? What did you kind of get from that? I think that a leopard never changes its spots once you've seen how people truly are. If you go back to you know being friends with that person or being around that person, you're opening opening yourself up. For it to happen again. Um, so people are ingrained a certain way. If they do it once, they'll do it twice. So once it's it's over, then it's over. And you lost your best friend. Um what what about you, uh Kelly or Lexi? I had people that I had known since I was a teenager, and they got a hold of the website one of the many, read all the horrible things, were trying to warn me. And I had a candid conversation with a few of them. And I'm like, look, you've known me for 20 years. And I'm telling you that what you're reading online is is not true. I'm living it every day. We we speak, you and I, every single day. I'm letting you know what's going on here. And it's the complete polar opposite from what you're reading. They still took the internet's word because if it's on the internet, it must be true mentality. And wouldn't take my word for it when I'm the one that's living it. I had people from um, people that I worked with. I had my family 
turn against me, um, childhood friends, people that I hadn't talked to in 10 years. Like I said before, where all of a sudden, oh, I saw her last week and um, we would go out to to eat and there would be pictures taken of us. I'm, I look anorexic. I look, I act brainwashed. I look like a zombie. I mean, it, it was bad. I had to walk away from just about everyone because they were believing what's online and to piggyback off what Austin said, you know, once people show you who they are and you step away, you can't let them back in. You just can't. Um, and that was a really hard truth to come to terms with people that you thought would stick by you through thick and thin blood or not blood. And because of what they believe online from someone that they don't know that they've never heard of has now severed a lifelong friendship, a lifelong relationship. Um, and so it was definitely heartbreaking, but also very eye opening. Because if if our relationship and friendship was rooted enough, then you would believe what I'm telling you because I'm the one living it. So that that was tough. What about you, Lexi? Um, I've had mostly there's family that has left, and because you know, family they should they should always be stuck by your side, you know. But it's really just us now because all of our family that we used to talk to they left and they started going on the websites and they started like acting like they know everything but it's that's not true I know where my dad was like I know what happened that morning so when when people make comments or friends that I used to have make comments about what they think they know what they think is true without asking anybody for the facts it's just it hurts, you know, it's, it's crazy to me. Um, And so like what happens with, uh, you know, when someone's telling you that you're wrong or that, I mean, what do you do? I tell them to ask my, ask my family about it, go ask my dad about it. Um, Or just ask me like, because nobody has ever asked me, what I think about it. Anybody in my friend group or any of the people that have left, they never ask me for any of the facts. They just, they tell me I'm wrong. And I'm like, if, if you're not going to take my word, a person that has stuck by you and known you for years, then I don't really know what to tell you because I thought our relationship was more important than that, than for you to just leave. <clears throat> Here's what, something else that we ran into with her. They said, well, uh, Lexi, you're wrong because your dad told you what to say. He's he's making you say those things. And you're under a horrible duress due to the abuse that he's putting you in. So he's forcing you to say these things to cover his ass. And, and she comes, I mean, she comes back and and She's crying. She's upset. Like, you know what? You really can't win with these people. They don't want the truth. They won't accept the truth. They're not going to hear the truth. So fuck them. I mean, right. why? Well, it's not our job to try to convince them of anything. It's our job to live our life, to move forward, to pick up the pieces that we have and go on. Um, we're not going to change their minds. And uh, if they don't want us in their life, that's fine. We're better off without people like that. We want true people, 
people that that, that that we can help build them up and they build us up, that's who we want. So when you sit back and look at it at first, it hurt when we lost folks. But in the overall scheme of it, it really made us better because it, it shed us of dead weight of people that mooched off of us that was only there for the, the, the free ride, the free meal because we're a generous family. Now we're we're better off because we're surrounding ourselves. The the new people that's come into our life are really solid people. Yeah, um, I mean that's that's helpful. Like you know, sometimes you gotta as you know, messed up as it is, like get to that point where you know people turn against you, and you know it sucks. Uh, I can a very small percentage of what, you know, you guys have been through, you know, say what happened with, you know, with me, but like, yeah, you lose a lot of people, but then the people that are there afterwards, like it's, it's a solid, solid group. And it's people that maybe you never needed to tiptoe around like that are just kind of there. And, um, it's, yeah, I don't know. Um, is there there's stuff uh, like on the side uh, any of you are doing like any any side projects like uh, yeah you know like any uh, creative outlets or anything or is it you know being focused on everything you know on focusing on um, getting out and talking to people or is anything going on um, like that? Yeah, we all lead pretty busy lives. So each side project is a side project to the previous side project. So, <laughs> so we're we're working on our cars. Um, we've got scripts that we're going over for possible roles that um, we may be considered for. We've got regular work. We've got things that we want to do, things that we need to do. So it's a, a mix of pretty much everything. But... Take it day by day, have fun with it, and be thankful that you're there, you know? Yeah. And so, I mean, so then our, uh, so like the, the, the scripts, like the, I guess the, the big one, uh, was that kind of put together, like from everybody's perspective in a way? Like, I think that's what I remember you saying, right? With, yeah, we we went over it together on what we felt needed to be in there to tell the story properly and to help people along the way. Uh, we've had creative differences with certain companies um, where they wouldn't tell all the story or they needed to cut this out to fit a certain timeline or they needed to add this in to, to make it uh, flow differently. But we collaboratively worked together to tell the story. And we think that now that there's a an opportunity to tell it correctly and not dilute it and change it based off of big corporations in Hollywood. And so, I mean, so I assume big corporations in Hollywood are, are probably not the way that this is getting funded. Uh, it's kind of uh, a different, different approach. Better, better way for you to explain it. You're yeah. more technical in it. Um, 
the movie rights was purchased. Uh, so yeah, that came from Hollywood. Um, so that uh, that that helped the family. The uh, the the book rights was also purchased, you know, and, and it's out. Uh, so uh, we will start filming uh, the 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 movie or the series this year. Um, casting has already begun; it's just about completed. Uh, we're looking forward to seeing that uh, at, at least start and be part of it. Uh, but we also have other uh, projects that we're working on, things that we've started and new endeavors. Uh, that are uh, that are pretty exciting. That that has uh, arose from this. You know, it's kind of like the phoenix coming out of the ashes. So uh, it, it it gave us a brand new platform to to help people, but it also put us on a on on a different plane with a new trajectory. And uh, we we set our goals in a different spot, and uh, we're not looking back. So then, are you? Are you all having roles in this then? Is that, uh, or are some of you wanting to stay away uh, from it, from the on-camera part? Or and not, None of us are acting in, in our movie series, uh, other than maybe we'll be in a, in a diner in background as a family, just have a little cameo. Yeah. Uh, it, this would be too heavy to actually play a role, especially ourselves. <clears throat> It'd be too difficult to play uh, and kind of relive the uh, the pain, the drama. Um, so we're we're going to sit back and, and be advisors to the director and and the team that's put together, which uh, is is a great team. And but we've got other projects that we're working on now that's that's differently. Lexi's casting a lead film. Austin uh, is the youngest certified stunt driver in the U.S. He's also casting a film. He's in one that's in theaters now. Um, we're looking at, you know, some other things that we're doing <laughs> as far as uh, expanding our, our, you know, roles in Hollywood. Yeah, and so, I mean, so as far as, like, reliving uh, any of that, I mean, so, I mean, what, like, what, I guess, so, like, being like playing that part would be past that line, but talking about it, writing a book and a movie is kind of about where like the, the comfort level is or where, what's, what's that? Well, the, the reason why the, the book's out and we're talking about it is to help others. It's not to relive, but there's people out there that's suffering from, mental health issues that's on the verge of suicide. And if we can prevent another family from going through the hell that we've walked through, then we want to use this platform to help save others. But there's also so many things that this book touches. Um, you know, pretty much if you're a man and, and you go through the, the, the court system, uh, you're going through a divorce, you already know before you walk in how it's going to end up. Uh, so we're, we're advocating to, to change some laws, uh, to to get things um, more on on an even plane uh, to to help out men in, in court situations. Also, social media bullying. Uh, I mean, we're we're dead set against that. There there needs to be some regulations other than a community standard that means absolutely nothing 
They can break laws under their community standards, but don't post anything if it's against the woke society. I mean, it's a, but, but you can break a law. I mean, you, you can slander, you can defame, and that's okay. But uh, uh, the, 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 their community standards are all right with breaking the law. So the, the things that we're, we're going out uh, and, and trying to change and impact lives is to help other people not to have to endure anything remotely like we've gone through. And we've seen a lot of people that's come and called and said, hey, look, I was on the verge of suicide and you helped me. I, I, I didn't do it because of this. And that's made it worth it. Absolutely. And um, so where where is a lot of the, I mean, so it's a lot of the, I don't know if healing's the right word, but something along those lines. Did a lot of it come from, you know, being able to talk about it and, you know, tell, tell your story? I'll let them answer this, and I've talked way more than I wanted to. <laughs> I, I, I think the, the book and going out and talking has been therapeutic. Yeah, it's helped. I, um, I don't think that in the first place there was any room for healing. There was a whole bunch of dealing instead of healing um, because we had to deal with the fact that it happened, but also deal with the fact that other people had outside opinions. I think writing the book and helping others um, with the story, trying to change, you know, court reform, trying to change mental health, trying to change uh, suicide. That's, been an outlet for healing in that way because the the storm only lasts so long and if people know that then we can start changing society in a different way yeah i feel like in the beginning we were all on the defensive because all we're having is people coming at us and we're defending our honor we're defending you know the innocence of, of Andy. We're defending him being a great dad and a, a great husband and partner, which he is. But now, because those ten people, the keyboard warriors or whatever you want to call them, that are out to save the world and save me because I'm next, because they they actually gave us the platform for us to bounce off of and launch from. So. In turn, they actually gave us the stage. They thought they were going to tear us down and break us down and, you know, call in defects on Lexi. They called defects on myself multiple times. They thought they were going to divide us and just bury us in the ground. But instead, they gave us a platform to where now we can reach hundreds of thousands of people. So instead of being on the defense, like Austin was saying, we can be on the offense and one, get our story, the truth out, but two, help a vast amount of people from different sectors, whether it be suicide or cyberbullying or parental alienation, um, domestic violence. There's all kinds of things that we now have an open door to. So they thought they were going to ruin us as a family and economically and financially, but they've actually not only helped us get out there, but now we're able to help a lot more people. So in a way, I want to say thank you for hating us. Right. <laughs> so. so what what deep what, what was defects? On me? You said, you said, you said no, you said defects. What is defects? 
Um, family and children, Department of Family and Children's Services. Oh, okay. So gotcha. when I was not um, reciprocating all the hatred that was first coming my way and still does to this day, um, they started calling defects and saying that my son was in an unfit home, which was my home. But because I was dating Andy, he was also in danger. And he was, I mean, just outlandish things they were coming up with. Um, so I had defects randomly knock on my door quite a few times. Yeah, I think now, and of course, child, child services where you are. Okay. I and the cases were immediately closed because it was erroneous and not factual. And it was, they, like Andy said, they all had the same script, which is so ironic. Um, and of course, they're all anonymous tips, but they all said the exact same thing. So the cases were open and closed very quickly. But it's the fact that they, they really went that far. Um, and that was scary to me because it seemed like there there was nothing they wouldn't do. So that personal. It that, did very I fast. Mean, and yeah, all we were trying to do is live our lives. And that so now that's what we're gonna do. We're just gonna live our lives as a family and be successful in all the endeavors that we want and just move forward. Yeah, to uh, echo what, what Kelly said, the uh the, the people that, that were hating <clears throat> help. With the with the constant phone calls and uh, not having a life, you know, they don't have jobs or families, obviously, because all they did was worry about me. You know, I, I was their life. Yeah, and I, all they wanted to talk about and all they focused on. Well, that gave us a national platform. So when we launched, um, that that's that's why the book was worth something. That that's why the the movie was worth something. All they did was put us on 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 a plane to be able to slingshot past them and, and rise above them. So their hatred actually was a, was a benefit to us to to go above them and help get our message out on on what assholes they are. I mean, it seems only fitting that you know it ends up that way, and it's it's nice um, that out of something like that could you know, turn it around and help not only you but help the exponential amount of people right. across and out the down the line and um so i mean was there like any uh like uh self reflection or like uh any sort of like therapy or stuff of that nature uh after yeah, we were all in therapy for years um we went for about four years, uh, just solid, and uh, let Lexi had to step out. She's not feeling well. She got a little stomach bug or something, so she'll be back. So she means no disrespect. Uh, but she was she was in therapy a little longer, um, and uh, what we did with her is we put her in in therapy. Actually, all of you kids went. Uh, it's what's called the Harbor House down here, and uh, the Harbor House is. Um, a, it's a special unit in uh, in in the county um, with doctors. They got forensic doctors, but it's also part of the sheriff's department. So if uh, they were to ever go stupid and want to push this, their own um, psychologist and their own doctors would have to testify against them. Uh, for the, the time that they spent with Lexi and interviewing Lexi and all of their fire, uh, all of their files will corroborate on, uh, on, on where she is and, and what, what the truth is. 
So that's a, a reason why we chose the Harbor House for therapy. Um, that way it kept everything clean because it's actually part of the Sheriff's Department organization here. Feel okay? Yeah. And so did, I mean, what did it do for for all of you? Like where, where did it, like as far as- how therapy helped. You want to answer? Um, therapy gave me an outlet to talk to somebody. When I had all of my family, we would all talk to each other, obviously, because we're a very close family. But to talk to somebody on the outside that I felt like understood just everything that we were going through, it really helped. And it was like event space for someone that where I knew I was safe, where like I could talk and not be judged about anything or told that I was lying about what I was saying. It was it was really a help to go. Uh, what about anyone else? I've never liked therapy. Um, <laughs> it's just not something that I enjoyed, but I think it was beneficial in the moment uh, for all of us because it was such a, a shell shock. But um, overall, I never liked therapy, but that one helped when it when it happened. Uh, if any, you know, this... Side note, uh, if any of you ever are interested in hypnosis, uh, to I for um, yeah, uh, like events, like impactful events that have happened, uh, like I, I have a method to be able to work through it without whoever it talked to me at all. Um, like just, just, I guide you to a place and you're able to make that event less impactful. So if it pops up sometime down the road, it's somehow, yeah, not as, not as just a, like a big event. Um, but, uh, if not me, there's there's other ones, but um, that's I I mean, so does do things come back up and like because there's the, like the term uh, triggered that people use uh, is that like something like stuff will come back up and then you know all of a sudden you're you're back at that moment um, anything like that happen for me not really. All my triggers are angry. <laughs> I just get mad at people who are dumb. Uh, I don't really go back to that place because I try to move on in life. I've never really dwelled in the past moments. Um, but that's what the the media was trying to make us do. But I'm against everything that they were trying to do to us. So I'm choosing not to be back there. I just get angry. What what's your outlet for being angry then when you get angry? I, I talk to, to Pops a lot. <laughs> like, Dad, listen to this crap. <laughs> you gotta believe this garbage. Uh, I used to box. I like being out on the property working on cars too. So there's lots of outlets. You just put your mind to something else because the insignificance of people saying what they're gonna say 
is always going to be there. There's always going to be haters. There's always going to be negativity and animosity. If you let it affect you, then that's on you. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you're in charge of your own emotions. Um, and it's a lot of people don't want to hear that one. And that's, yeah, that's, that's whole, true. Whole different story. Like, um, but um, yeah, what about anybody else? Anybody else? have outlets you go to or have you know I think I'm to a point now to where I used to immediately get mad because I want to defend my family but I'm not going to let anybody rob my joy anymore we've got too many other things that are positive that we're building together as a family and I would much rather focus on that you can't argue with stupid so these people think two plus two equals triangle I'm going to let you believe that because I would rather live my life with my family than worry about what you're doing and what you're saying because their life is all consuming with what we're doing. I'm not going to reciprocate. We've got one life and I'm not going to spend my time on that. I'm going to spend my time on what matters to me the most. And that's my family. So it does still irritate me. And I'm just like, Austin, I'll come home and I'm like, babe, you're not going to believe this. Or you know, I'll send him a screenshot of a message that I got. And I'm like, here we go again. But that's really the gist of it. I don't let it seep in and rob my happiness. I'm I'm just not going to allow them to have that power. And so when you look at it from that point of view, like you can't control what people say or do, but you can control how you react to it. And because I don't feed into it and I just let it roll off my back and just go on about my day, it's a lot easier and we all know that, you know, they're morons. So why why would you entertain anything other than? Right. Um, so where where did uh, you and Andy meet? How'd you guys, how'd you two meet? <laughs> so I, Andy is a widow, unfortunately. I am also a widow too. Um, I lost my husband when I was 29. And so we met in grief counseling. And I saw him sitting there across the way, and uh, he's got a really nice smile and beautiful brown eyes, and that was pretty much it. So we started out as friends for for a long time, and he loves it. Look at him. (laughs) Um, We started out as friends. It it went slowly, and I mean, when you're a widow, you're a part of a a club that no one wants to be in. Um, Nobody really understands what you go through after you lose a spouse, no matter what age you are. Um, or how it happened, you know, the fact that you lost your spouse is is something a lot of people can't relate to, which is great. You don't want people to be in that club. Um, but unfortunately, you know, we were and we found each other through there and it's it's been a great, great ride since. Was that like a uh, at, at a church or something or like? Yes, uh, it was. Okay. It was that. So did you know each other beforehand? No, uh, I never. Or, I wish I had. Were you, <laughs> but, were you in some other town or something? So or, we actually didn't live far apart. And it was actually strange that we never crossed paths because we were only like 15, 20 minutes from each other um, for years. So maybe we did. Maybe I saw him at Target and I was like, hey, he's kind of cute. Who knows? But uh, we never officially met until we met in grief counseling at church. And so what was it that got you to go 
the first time? Was it your first time that you went, or was it Andy's first time that he went that you two met each other? Who was there beforehand? So we had, we had went several times, and and I'd sit in the back and wouldn't speak. You know, I'm just kind of there trying to get some coping skills, and I'd seen her there. I don't know for months, and then uh, uh, there was one that was walking out across the parking lot, and I was in a very you know vulnerable state, and she took. She she took extreme advantage of me. And, oh my gosh! <laughs> now uh, we started talking in the parking lot, and then wound up going and and, and had some coffee, and uh, and then it just kind of took off from there. We uh, we became close friends, and then it, it just developed into more. So you were in there first, then uh, uh, before. Like... I, I I think we I I believe she was there the first night I went. I I don't really remember. I don't really remember. Yeah, all that's kind of a blur. Yeah, you know, the, the, those days is when I walked into the church. I was really hating it. Uh, I didn't I didn't want to be there, but I, I was hurting so daggum bad. I I just wanted to try to find something that would help me get rid of this pain and, and where I was at. And you know, um, I was angry at everybody. You know, I was mad at God. I was mad at everybody. So I was just trying to hear something that would give me some type of comfort. Mm -hmm. So I was. Uh, Going there and and you know hoping that there'd be some coping skill or some word said that would just lie. So I just kind of sit in the back of the room and just listened and would drink the coffee. Just I wasn't I didn't really participate for a long time. I just listened to everybody else. What was it uh, when you decided that you're going to say something? Like was it a, a while? Uh, you know, sitting there, and then there, did someone say, "Hey, you should, you should talk." Uh, you know, kind of getting after you. You don't, you don't probably don't smoke cigarettes, uh, but that's uh, probably not a church. You know, like or at like uh, AA meetings, there's always people outside smoking cigarettes, saying, "Hey, you know, you should uh, get up there and talk." Um, was it? Was there some? You just wanted to talk one day. Well, for me, uh, everybody in there was talking about um, my, the majority of them, their their spouses, um, and even like Kelly's, that they knew um, they were going to die. And, and most of them there were elderly. I think we were the youngest two people in there about probably 30 years. Uh, so uh, they, they had, you know, a, a terminal illness and they, they suffered for a while, you know, whether it be you know, whatever it was, and then they passed away. And and I listened to that and 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 it was just kind of eating at me. So when the first time I spoke up is I I I didn't have that. Mine was I went to bed and I woke up and, and it was done. There was no time to have a conversation. There was no time for uh to get things in order to say what you need to say. It was uh this was just shoved in my plate. So what everybody was talking about there is now they had help. I'm like this this is not what I I dealt with. Um, so how about for something where somebody didn't didn't have a time? Uh, you know, do you have anything for that? You know, where it was just kind of shoved in you. Uh, you know, anybody in here lose somebody with a car wreck? And it was kind of a, uh, like like very harsh because uh, that's where I was. It was extremely edgy. And uh, uh, the the I don't he wasn't a pastor. Uh, I guess he was a a therapist that was in there that was part of the church staff wound up like, well, you know what, Let, let's deal with that. And I'm like, yeah, please. <laughs> because all the times I've been here, nobody's really connected with me. And uh, you know, I don't want to feel like I'm wasting my time. Uh, so then they kind of 
geared more to speaking to me. And so when that happened, uh, did that start things in your head as far as I should do this more often? Uh, I should get out and start talking to people, like start talking in front of a crowd. Like uh, the, I'm, I'm, I can captivate an audience with what I'm talking about. Was that anything that was going through your head? No, at not at the time, because yeah. then it, it had started ramping up with uh, uh, the website. You know, here we're, we're still trying to mourn. You know, the kids and I are still sleeping in the living room floor. Nobody's even gone back to their beds just so we could touch each other for comfort. That's where we are. And now we're starting to be attacked. Our, our house is being spray painted. You know, so it's at that moment, we're just trying to survive. You know, just don't give up. You know, wake up in the morning, brush your teeth, get your ass out of bed, and, and just face the day. You know, those were challenges. Yeah, it was, uh, that's where I was at at that time. And so you started going pretty soon after, like after. Everything. Yeah, I started going fairly quickly um, because I was I was in a bad place, a very bad place. I stayed drunk for four months. You know, it was, uh, and I, I never was a drinker. I didn't even drink a whole lot in college. You know, it just, it never was me. But that was four months. I had, I mean, I woke up drunk. I went, I passed out. You know, sometimes by five o'clock, you know, it was, it was bad. I I just didn't, uh, I was hurting so bad. I was lonely. It, it was like life just sucked. My whole world was flipped upside down and I needed some help because I'd lost, I, I kind of lost all grips with everything. And if it wasn't for the kids to bring me back, I, I don't know if I could have held on. So what were the, kids uh like how were you know if you have uh you know dad you know drinking all times of the day and then plus on top of whatever you know anything else is going on like i, I don't know i don't know like I, it's amazing that you know everyone was you know able to stay together yeah. and you know I mean, I, I failed them miserably at that time. You know, here they was hurting, and I was hurting so bad that I couldn't be what I needed for them. Uh, and I, I then I even felt more guilty. You know, but uh, our love for each other overcome all of that. You know, the, the love that I got from the kids helped me hold on. The love that I gave to them helped strengthen them. They, if I mean, it, it, it was the kids as ones that got me to quit the drinking, and it was just one day. Uh, they they made me feel so guilty about it. And I never drank again. It was just boom. I stopped. You know, and uh, and said, you know what? I got to get my shit together. Uh, y'all deserve better than this. You've gone through enough. I'm gonna I'm gonna stop having the pity party and only inviting myself. And uh, and then I started climbing out of that pit. So then, uh, I mean, what what were were uh were you around at this time, Kelly? No. So during that period, I was not around. I had not entered the scene yet. <laughs> okay. And then, so then, uh, Austin and Lexi, what, what were you two doing 
during like during the day at that time, like on an average day, what was uh, a lot of the times we'd be at school, but uh, during the weekends, I'd have to help him keep the house running. You know, stuff still has to be done. Dinner still has to be made. It was a uh, I understood where he was. So I just stepped in and helped. And I mean, did you get it? Did that slow any anything down with you? With uh, you know, like I don't know. It seems like there wasn't as much time to get to. If you just stepped right in, like I mean. It, I don't know. Did you? Yeah, it, it hindered his life. It did. I mean, he, he wasn't able to Xbox with his kids, with his friends, and and have that normal childhood uh, interactions at those times. But uh, really, ever, ever since the death, their lives was altered from then on. Yeah, they've not been able to have a normal childhood since then because of the website warriors uh, and, and 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 the hell that they created. Because if they, if, you know, with, I was active in sports, right? So they go get on a sports team and then would be asked not either me not to come or the kids not to play. So it was effective in every way. And they're like, hey, look, if your kids is going to have a, a concert at school, would you not come? I'm like, well, no, I'm going to support everything my kids do. If somebody's got a problem with it, they keep their butt at home. Right. And uh, that didn't get over too well with uh, no, because was I was there one. and people didn't like it, and then people would make comments. And for a while, I kept quiet. And then, uh, you know, after so long, you can't do that. Then they'd make a comment, and I'd give it right back to them. Yeah, and uh, then they didn't like that because now I'm being aggressive. You know, I'm being aggressive. You know, it didn't matter what they initiated. I'm being aggressive. Easier, easier target. Um, mm -hmm. and then, so like, what about you, Lexi? What about like, I mean, or like, do you feel like, or I guess you too, Austin, like that at some point you're gonna want time to be able to finish living your childhood or is it where it is now and you just keep going or, or what's. What's what? Childhood's over. The time to be adults and be a man. I missed out on uh, a lot of things, but it's not necessarily my dad's fault. Uh, my dad was going through a hard time. So as a family, you step in and you help where you need to to help. It was, I, I'm not blaming him or he tries to take the blame. It was my choice to do that. I didn't have to. I could have you know, been out partying and playing Xbox and doing all the things that any normal child would be. But I was forced to mature at a young age from a lot of different factors. This just helped me mature quicker because I had to. It wasn't uh, me sacrificing a childhood. It was just not as traditional as some of the other people. Yeah. And what about you, Lexi? I feel like there's no more room to have a childhood anymore. Um, it's, it's like, it's, it's over now. Um, all the time that we really had in our young, young, like really young ages, that was the time 
to like live, you know, and we didn't get to have that. We didn't get to experience all the riding our bikes and playing with chalk on the sidewalk because all this hit us. And I would like, I miss it, but I wouldn't want to go back because what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And I feel like the experience that we've had made us closer as a family and helped us bond more. And I feel like it helped us, even though I wish it didn't happen. But I don't necessarily think that there is any more room to have a childhood. And then, uh, so when... Uh, when Kelly, when you and Andy started dating together, what was kind of the reaction of the family? The kids, you mean? Like when I yeah, entered? Yeah, yeah, the kids, yeah. Or you said you had kids too? You have a couple kids? I have one. You have one? Okay. I do. Um, so Andy and I, we slowly introduced the kids to, or introduced me to the kids first. So like Austin said earlier, um, him and Caden, the middle son, the oldest middle son, were heavy into boxing. So uh, Lexi and I would go upstairs and we would work out together um, to try and bond with each other. And then the boys would be downstairs and I would go downstairs with the boys. So we did things like that. We went out to dinner. We did like activities slowly. But Andy had... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> a few girlfriends before I came along. So there was a, let's see if she's going to stick around. Let's see if the people saying all these things online are going to scare her off because we already know that these people are going to go after her. And like Andy said before, people would leave. They would sever friendships. They wouldn't speak to him anymore because if you were associated with Andy even if they saw us just talking, you know, on the sidewalk, they would come after you. And so I think when I first came in, there was hesitation because of the track record and what history has shown the kids. Um, So it just took time for everyone to get comfortable and know that I'm here to stay. I have their best interests at heart. I'm not believing all the things that are online. Um, They're my priority and it doesn't matter come hell or high water, I'm not going to do the things that you've seen other people do. Not everyone is the same. Um, So there was a little bit of a learning curve because now, you know, we're a blended family and there's always challenges with that. But I think we've dealt with them very gracefully, almost too easily at times, I think. Yeah. And what about uh, you two, uh, Austin and Lexi? Good. Okay. Uh, I think there was some getting used to because life is different at every step that you take. Um, It was uh, a period of, like she said, is she going to stay? Is she going to believe all the things that everybody else is saying? You know, what's, what's going to happen with this? Is she just interjecting into our life to be nosy? Is she with these other people? So yes, there was a learning curve, but, that learning curve didn't last very long. Okay. And what, what about you, Lexi? When she came around, I was a little bit skeptical of her at first. Like, I was nervous to let her in and 
have her in my life because everybody had left and all I had was my family. And everybody, everybody that my dad brought around, they got scared or people from the website scared them off, was calling the police on them and stuff. So when it didn't take long for me, it didn't like it didn't take long for me to let her in because she stayed around, you know, and she just proved to everybody that she's here for us and that she loves us and that she wasn't going anywhere. Lexi was in the really needing a female. You know, she's in a room or in, in a house with three older brothers and then a dad. And uh, I mean, I, I, I didn't know how to braid hair. I tried. There's a, I mean, there's a heartbreaking story of that in the book. Um, I didn't know how to really do the girly things. Her mama done the makeup with her and, you know, they, they dance around in, in the morning and get ready and straighten and curl hair, do girl stuff. I, did, I had no idea how to do that to give her those things that she needed. And, uh, you know, I was scared to death. She was going to come to me one day and be like, hey, Dad, we got to have this talk because I don't know what my body's doing. And I was like, look, you're broke, baby. I, I, I don't know what to tell you. So she was needing a female and longing to have the female and the softness of a female. Uh, so when Kelly came in, that 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 helped her uh, and uh, gave her some of the things that she was needing that I couldn't provide. You know, no, no matter how great a father you are, you can't be a mother. And no matter how great a mother you are, you can't be a father. And kids need both to be able to have that good balance in life. You know, if a mom is trying to raise a boy, she can't teach him to be a man because she don't know how to be a man. She can be a tremendous mother and give her all the mothering skills, but you still need that dad to teach him the manly qualities he needs. So I was failing her in that because I didn't know how to be a mom. So at the time that she came in, it was able to give her those things that she needed and help kind of bridge a gap where I was inadequate. We started a tradition, Lexi and I did early on, um, where we would have our girls' days. You would have thought it was Christmas every single Sunday. We looked forward to that day so much because, like Andy said, we are in a house full of boys. So Lexi and I are very outnumbered. Besides, the dog was a girl, so we've got that on our side. But still outnumbered nonetheless. Um, And so I would try to do things with her that were super girly, that just her and I would go do. So we'd go get our hair done. We'd go get our nails done. We'd go um, shopping. We just We'd do anything that was super, super girly. And I think that also really helped us bond for one and for her to actually feel love from a motherly figure that she needed and craved and deserved and that she was robbed of. Um, So when I came in, I, I really wanted to make a point to show her everything that she needed and, and wanted and deserved as a mom. And, I mean, that's, you know, very helpful and, uh, you know, beneficial and, you know, something that was, you know, a big question mark, like where, where, how is that going to happen? And that was, you know, I mean, so it seems like the, the moral is everyone stick together. The more you stick together, the more you do stuff together, the better everything's going to be and your people are your people. Um, you know, who's, who's there for you, you know what you have, but you have your family and that's, 
that's what matters, right? But something like that. Uh, uh, the old uh, Jerry Springer's final thoughts or something, uh, whatever, whatever. Oh boy. Uh, <laughs> whatever uh, at the end, or uh, you know, the old. Uh, I guess not. Yeah. One another. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like so. Then. Well, I mean, what's uh, what's one one thing of advice that each of you would would give then? For whatever, I don't care what it is. It can be about Pokemon if you want to be a po a Pokemon, or it can be about uh, the world, or it can be about uh, yourself. I think uh, the best piece of advice is every problem has a solution, and no hardship is forever. And the best starter Pokemon is Squirtle. There you go. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> I would say, um, you know, don't be so quick to cast judgment. Don't believe everything that you read. Don't believe everything that you hear. Use your brain for yourself. The worst thing you can do is jump on a bandwagon blindly because that bandwagon might be headed towards the edge of a cliff and you've got no idea. Um the words that come out of your mouth can be damaging far beyond what you could ever imagine on um, like the ripple effect. So I would just say before you go and cast the first stone, maybe look at your own house and, and use your own judgment and dig in deep, dig for the truth and not just what Larry down the road posted. So Larry's kind of a dick anyway. So he is. But we have a joke in our house about a Larry, so that's why I used it. And you're correct. Larry was cul-de-sac man. Larry was in the cul-de-sac. I would say my advice to people is no matter the obstacles that life throws at you or whatever hard times you fall on, don't give up and don't crack under pressure and just stay strong, focus on God and let everything in your life run its course, it's going to be okay. Yeah, I like it. Marcus Aurelius, the happiness of your life depends on the quality of your thoughts. No matter what's going on in your life, what you focus on is what's going to be the most prominent in you. Um, the sad thing about a lot of people is 99% of their life will be great. 1% will be bad, but they will focus on that 1% and be depressed, be upset, be down. But where you spend your time and your mind and your focus is, is, is going to be where you are. So focus on the good things in life. Like right here, we focus on our family. We focus on the love that we have. We focus on the goals that, that uh, you know, we've set for us. We don't look back. We don't focus on the negative. We don't focus on, on the things that hurt uh, because those bring us down. So we focus on the, on the good things. And that would be my advice to everybody. Awesome. Um, and so uh, I assume everyone, or not everyone, but a lot of people know where to find you, but where would you tell people to find you so they don't go to a lot of other places trying to find you first? Um, well, we have a TikTok that uh, that promotes pretty much just the book and uh, and and the things that we're doing are, are locations for book signings and speaking events. Uh, we'll be promoting the the show soon. I, I think I sent you all of those links. If you put those up, uh, post them. Uh, our social media. Now we also have a website for the book. Um, that's uh, uh, who turned up the silence dot com. 
uh, you can go straight and get any information um, about the book and to be able to contact us. If anybody wanted to host a book club, if you host a book club, you now you contact the site, uh, you get you, your friends, your community to read the book. When you finish, our entire family will FaceTime and do complete question and answers based on the book with you. That's, that's an interesting one. Uh, I, I, what other uh, author has done something like that? I like that a lot. Um, thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, so yeah, thank you everyone for being on and um, getting to talk about whatever. Um, yeah, not knowing really what, what was going to go uh, as far as the conversation. So I, I appreciate you being open with that. And um, yes, sir. I'll put you in a, a waiting room for a few minutes, but can I talk to you for a few minutes afterwards, after I wrap up here? Okay. Absolutely. All right. Excellent. Well, yeah, thank you for very much and I uh, hope you have a great rest of your day. All right. Thank you so thank much. You, Roger, man. you bet. All right. So that's, there's a part one. There's a, if you go back uh, with Andy, um, like we said, probably about two months ago, two, three months ago, um, look up Andy Turner. It'll be on there. Um, so thank you everyone for listening and watching whatever you're doing. I appreciate it. And check him out. Check the whole family out. And that is the show. Man. Boom. It's Rusty Diamond, motherfucker. It's Rusty Diamond, motherfucker.